For those of us still in the room, our scripture this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open and turn there. We're going to read it from chapter 8, verses 14 through 16. Bible pages are a good sound. Let us receive God's word for us this morning. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Before we pray together, I have um, just a couple of of notes. Uh, The first is I want to offer a word of uh, of celebration. Uh, This morning, I was out at New Hope Methodist Church uh, worshiping with them at their nine o'clock service, which is why I came in a little bit late. Uh, Some of you know that our former youth uh, director here at Covenant, Peyton Ruddick, is the pastor there now. He's a lay supply pastor, and they had a baptism this morning. So I went out to participate in the baptism. So I celebrate with you and with the church at New Hope that we have a new member in the family of faith. His name is Jace Carter, and he is uh, just incredibly sweet. He's two years old, and he has gone up in front of the congregation at their children's moment time and declared that he is going to be Peyton's youth director. (laughs) So uh, it's good to know that we just baptized a new youth director. Um, Also, I just got word this morning, actually, while I was uh, worshiping uh, to that last song, um, last week I invited you to join me in praying for my friend Tommy Williams, who had uh, aorta replacement surgery on Thursday, the surgery was a phenomenal success in his recovery today. However, I don't have any details other than Bethany, his wife, just texted me and said, things have been rough today. So if you could double down on your prayers for Tommy, that would be appreciated. And so I invite us all to, I know many of you have been texting me throughout the week, how is Tommy um, Let's keep praying for him as he's recovering from a really extraordinary surgery. Uh, Let's uh, bow together in a word of prayer of intercession and then prayer as we begin this time of studying God's word. Gracious and loving God, uh, what an extraordinary gift it is to come together, your children, sisters and brothers, to worship you. 
And what, what a gift it is to know that we aren't uh, in isolation as a Christian community here at Covenant, but we are a part of a bigger, greater movement, a, a movement of, of the connectional people in the Global Methodist Church, a movement of Christians who uh, are following by your spirit around the world. And so we pray in celebration over the newest member of our Christian family, Jace Carter. Lord, would you bless and keep him as he grows and is supported and is undergirded as he uh, is led to faith, life-giving faith in your son, our Savior, Jesus. And we pray, O oh Lord, over uh, Tommy Williams. We pray uh, a prayer of thanksgiving that you uh, were present and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and moved powerfully in the midst of his surgery uh, Lord, we pray now for whatever is taking place today down at Methodist Houston. Lord, we pray that you would uh, pour out your spirit of comfort and peace upon Bethany and Tommy. We pray that you, the great physician, would lay your hands upon him and heal him, whatever is troubling him, whatever complication or challenge is being faced. Lord, we pray that you would miraculously restore him to physical health. And Lord, as we come together and hear from Romans 8, this glorious passage about what it means to be your family, Lord, I ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on our time of study and reflection. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word and indeed your ultimate will. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then I ask, O oh God, by your grace, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace on your behalf to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So many of you know I have three extraordinary children. Uh, they are each unique and different and wondrous and wonderful, and it's a privilege to be dad. Uh, so many of you can, can relate to that. It's just a privilege to be dad. Addie's a freshman at Ole Miss. Aiden's a junior at Tomball High School. And Sam is in fourth grade at Creekview. Uh, it, it's, it's a beautiful gift, especially because our family grew in unexpected ways. Uh, I often uh, would, would be known to, to proudly boast in my uh, mid and late 20s that I was going to be 43 and an empty nester. By the way, I'm 42, so that was supposed to be next year. Like, I, I was going to be 43 and an empty nester. Addie was born while we were in seminary. Aiden was born the first year out of seminary in pastoral ministry. I had a boy. I had a girl. What more could you want? That was it. And then the Lord convicted Lauren and I, Lauren first, and then me, that we were called to adopt. And so seven years after Aiden was born, the Lord invited us into this journey, this journey of welcoming uh, a, a new family member, of learning what it means to adopt, learning what it means to, to, to graft in as we have been grafted into the family of God, and it has been nothing short of extraordinary. One of the greatest days of my life was Sam's adoption day. It was only two days after he turned two years old, and he had been with us since he was three days old. We brought him home from the hospital, which is uh, quite 
rare even in the foster to adopt system. And, uh, and to see the pictures of our family, extended family, aunts and uncles and grandparents all standing on the courthouse steps and this big, beautiful family celebrating adoption. But as I reflect on that day, I understand that there was something legal that took place then. Something profound indeed, and yet, while it was legal, there was something that preceded that that was all the more powerful and potent. And I I can't actually tell you the day or the time, the moment when, but, but while that was legal, there was a spiritual adoption that had previously taken place. There was a moment in time, and God knows it even if I can't name it, where, where, where Lauren and I opened our hearts. Our, 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 our hearts were literally, literally I should, shouldn't say literally, figuratively opened figuratively opened and welcomed a new peace into our hearts. And there were those days, those weeks, those months where I knew that there was nothing I wouldn't give to be able to make it official legally what had already happened spiritually that Sam was my son. Some time ago, uh, uh, Sam and I pulled up to a, a grocery store, get out of the car. By the way, he tried to talk me into leaving him in the car so he could play on my phone, uh, Geometry Dash. Uh, I determined that would be irresponsible of a father, and I made him get off the phone and get out of the car and walk with me into the store. And as we're walking uh, into the store, I, I noticed that he's trailing far behind, and uh, I say, come on, Sam, we got to walk together. We're in a parking lot. We have to be safe. You know, all the things that, that, that parents are worried about and taking care of. And uh, when I finally get him up by my side, I said, why, why didn't you want to walk by me? Because it wasn't just a normal, like, dragging his feet. It was like an intentional distancing. And he said, Dad, if I walk by you, then everybody's going to know that I was adopted. Because my youngest, my fourth grader, Sam, is African-American, and we are white. And he's coming to grips with that. I don't want to walk next to you because then others will know that I was adopted. Others will know that I was adopted. You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to hear that, but we as Christians, uh, as we grow and mature, not only in life, but also in the faith, uh, we hear words like this from Paul today that teach us how we each, every single one of us, have been adopted. Christian adoption is a core theological tenet because not one of us, by our own strength, by our own holiness, by our own worthiness, is welcomed into the family of God. But a way has been made for you and for me to enter into God's family where we are a part of the heavenly host, where we are sisters and brothers, where we are heirs and co-heirs, where we can call God, Daddy, Abba, Father. Christian adoption is something that each and every one of us 
are able to celebrate. And just as I told Sam that day, I said, Sam, so what if they know you're adopted? I chose you. I got to pick you. And I said, look at all these other kids in the parking lot. Their parents didn't get to pick them. They're stuck with them. I picked you. I chose you. God chose you, placed you into our family, into our hearts and our lives. You are a part of me. We are a part of this family together. There's an extraordinary shift that takes place for each Christian. And my prayer is it's already taken place in your lives. If it hasn't yet, this is going to be part of the invitation for you today. And this, this is an extraordinary transformation When we as Christians move from information to intimate relationship, when our faith is is shifted from a faith grounded in information to a faith that's rooted deeply in an intimate relationship we have with God, and that's a challenging shift and one that many of us still are yearning for, so we're going to Dig into how Paul describes that shift for us today. First, we have to kind of frame and know, acknowledge that there is a faith rooted in information. It is faith. It is real faith, but it is rooted in information, information that we can regurgitate, that we know of God or that we know God. It's it's rooted in, uh, in practice as well in the Christian faith. There are things that we want to know, want to be sure that each other know. We have confirmation class. We have adult catechism. We walk through what it means to be a part of the faith. We study the Apostles' Creed. We study the Lord's Prayer. So it's not just words that we say, but it's something that we know and understand as we are saying it. We're we're about to have our confirmation retreat in a few weeks. And whenever we gather for confirmation retreat, we study the words of the profession of faith. Words that can be very challenging for us to understand. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness? Reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin? We study that. and we, We learn what does that mean? And there's an information dump, an intellectual step and stage of faith that is critical do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil and justice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church? These are critical statements of what we believe, and that is a step for every Christian to have information that roots and grounds us in our faith. Faith based on information. So, so what is faith based on an intimate relationship? An intimate relationship. It, it means that, that we no longer only rely on that which we know, but we also rely on that spiritual interaction, that, that, that holy space where we connect with God. Where God is not distant and ethereal, but rather God is present with us. And we are able to crawl up in our heavenly Father's lap and rejoice and mourn and be known and to know 
this, this spiritual, intimate encounter where we are one with God is such an extraordinary gift. And that's a transformation for each and every Christian, a movement that we are invited into. But, but Satan, Satan wants to destroy our capacity to enter into that intimate relationship. Satan uh, has a number of ploys, a number of tropes that he will continue to speak over you in order to try to influence you to avoid entering into that intimate relationship. Satan will tell you, you're alone. You've been abandoned. You're unloved. You're unworthy of love. These things are spoken over you and more over and over again until at times we come to believe them. But the, 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 the combating work, the thing that defeats those words spoken over us is the intimate relationship with the Father. Where he is telling you, I am with you. You are not alone. I love you. No matter what you have done, I love you. I have made you worthy through the gift of my son. We are family. God desires an intimate relationship with you so much so that he made the way for it to be possible. But how are we to, to bridge this gap from a faith of information to a faith of intimate relationship? The key is in this passage, quite clearly in verse 16, it says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If you have your Bibles, you, you would note and highlight that the word spirit is recorded twice in that verse, and, and yet the word spirit is, is articulated differently once the first time. It is with a capital S, a proper name, that this is the Holy Spirit of God. And then the second time, the S in spirit is is lowercase, and it acknowledges that it is no longer the proper name of the Holy Spirit, but now it is your spirit. And the, the confession of this is that each and every one of us has a spirit, or in other words, a soul. How often are we aware that we are not only flesh and blood walking around, that we are not only bone and ligament uh, walking around, but rather we are a soul? It's such a Wesleyan thing for us to understand. As Methodists, uh, this grand question uh, is a reminder for us when we're taught to ask one another, how is it with your soul? With your soul. Not just how are you, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm fine, it's all good, whatever, you know. How is it with your soul? You know, those, those innermost spaces, the things that you hold privately, the things that you safeguard, the things that, that you might have some shame about, some things that, that you might have some distress and despair about. And, and when we walk out and operate within the world, oftentimes we're told to put our best foot forward, to pretend like everything's good, to answer the question, yep, good, fine, all good, everything's all right, it's good. How is it with your soul? 
weary, distressed, joyful, excited, expectant, hopeful, ashamed, afraid. How is it with your soul? You see, God says in his word that he has not abandoned us. Jesus says, it's better for me to leave, to, to, to rise from the dead, to ascend into heaven. It's better for me to ascend into heaven and leave you the Holy Spirit. It's better for you to have the Holy Spirit than it is for you to have the physical resurrected Jesus. Grapple with that for a second. And then Paul articulates it this way. He says, if you want this transformation, if you want this intimate relationship, if you are ready to call on God the Father as Abba, as Daddy, as one who you could crawl up in his lap, if you're ready for that intimate relationship, all you have to do is acknowledge that God's Holy Spirit lives in you and meets with your soul and tells your soul, you belong. You are loved. I am yours. And you are mine. What a gift. What a gift for us to acknowledge that we've been adopted, that we are heirs of a heavenly kingdom and an abundant life today. To acknowledge that we are co-heirs with Christ. I mean, have, you, have any of you ever gotten any inheritance? Mom, dad, aunt, uncle, uh, far off distant relative. Like, sometimes it's surprising, sometimes it's unknown. Sometimes you already had all the details worked out before that, uh, that passing. You are not an heir of an earthly inheritance. You're an heir of an eternal, heavenly inheritance. And God has welcomed you into his family. I can't wait for the day because I know that it's coming. I have absolute conviction, assurance that it's coming. When Sam and I are walking through the parking lot, and he's right on my side. And I have no doubt that he knows and acknowledges that others are looking at him and thinking, processing, understanding that he's been adopted. And yet he walks with his chest held high because he celebrates that he has been chosen. He's been welcomed in, and he's a part of my family. I want you to walk out in the world this day with your chest held high, with a joy in your heart as you claim the truth, the reality that you are a child of the Most High King, you have been adopted and welcomed in because God's spirit spoke to your spirit and you were made one.
may it be for each of us this day as God articulates in his word. Would you pray? Gracious and loving God, we're so excited to be a part of your family. What an extraordinary gift it is to to hear the truth of your word spoken over us, that, that, that we're not alone, that we're not unloved, but we are loved and brought in, brought near, brought close. God, we trust in you. And we celebrate your movement amongst us by the power of your spirit. We celebrate your movement in us by the power of your spirit. Lord, move us, we pray. Move us from from a lack of faith to a faith that would be grounded in knowledge. Move us from a a faith grounded in in knowledge and information to a faith grounded in intimate relationship. Lord, we want to be with you. Speak over us. I am yours. And you are mine. We are one with our Father this day. Lord, as we continue in worship and we enter into this time of offering, I pray, O oh God, that you would be glorified in the gifts that are uh, offered and the way in which they are used for your glory in the world. Lord, Make yourself known through these gifts and through the givers. Be glorified, we pray, in Jesus' holy and precious name. And all God's people said.